Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 149 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is Queer Fiction Explodes. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the query cheery, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? Am I supposed to explode to, like, follow on with that uh, intro? If you like. You can explode with joy at being here with me again, once again. Explode with joy? Yes. Interesting, interesting. Hmm, not sure where to go from this, so I'm just going to ease on into what I've been doing since we last spoke. I just survived hell. Uh, We're recording this on March 1, which is a Tuesday, and it's also the day that my book, Two of a Kind, the co-write with Miranda McLeod, was due with the editor. We realized very late in the game that the last eight chapters were not hitting the right spot. So we did what most authors do usually much earlier in the process. <laughs> we deleted eight chapters with like the deadline like looming over our head like a guillotine. Uh, it was painful to hit the delete button at that point, but uh, it was absolutely necessary. We, we had a long call about it and we finally did it. And the last few days have not been fun. The last seven days have been very stressful. And then in between all of this, war erupted in Europe. It's been a weird week with a lot of stress with writing and then a lot of stress with all the stuff going on in Europe. So, yeah, it has, it's, been a, it's been a weird one. Not going to lie, it's been weird. Yes, I mean, you know, our heart does go out to everyone in the Ukraine. But, you know, yeah, it, that has been a weird backdrop to this week, I will agree. But getting back to your, uh, your book, eight chapters, how many words is that? Well, it wasn't like we had to delete everything, but we had to, like, we wanted to change um, the focus of where they, where the black moment hit and how the black moment hit. So we were able to take some words from it, but um, I think we scrapped about 20K total. Oh, oh my God. And I, <laughs> Within and, a week of the deadline. <laughs> was, there, uh, was there steam coming off your keyboard? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. away on the keyboard and um there was a lot of uh sleepless nights and a lot of late nights and uh last night when i sent it off i poured a very tall beer and sat on my couch and said i don't want to move for a week (laughs) because um it was not a it was a it was a difficult turnaround Mm. this one was a difficult one i think we made the right choice i'm much happier with the story where it's at and that's why we make these decisions but wowzers (laughs) wowzers and yowzers well well done uh and i'm going to skip over the fact that you said talked about fingers pounding but anyway i'm skipping (laughs) i'm skipping over it tb like a pro you're (laughs) skipping over it in good news ihl the website i run with miranda that's dedicated to sapphic fiction february which just ended yesterday uh we broke the record for the number of views on IHL, which is kind of funny because um, February is the shortest month of the year. <laughs> we reached 30,000 views and not only did we be, we broke the record, but like the first year IHL was in existence in 2017, we only had like 20,000 views. So we beat that, which is February. <laughs> and for the year to date with January and February added up, 
we've beat the number of views we had in 2018. And by mid-March on IHL, we will beat those two years combined with just two months. So IHL is really exploding right now, which is exciting to see because, like I keep saying, I've dedicated a lot of time to it. And it's really taking off and it's helping a lot of authors, which is the whole point. Indeed it is. Can I just say that you just dealt with a load of numbers and didn't stumble and didn't trip. I was like, she's she's talking about months and, and thousands of things. and It just reminds me of like, we're always saying like, just keep going. And when I first started publishing, one of my blogging friends, who was also an author, uh, gave me a piece of advice. And it said every day, uh, it said, she said every day. Do something for your author business. It doesn't have to be much, but just do one at least one task. And if you stick to that, you'll succeed. And I've taken that to heart, not just with like my writing, but with the website and such. And it is true. Just one little thing each day and everything builds up and then you start exploding. Yes, you do. So. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, I was just going to say toot toot. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And in, in Kendall Vela News. A London Love Story, the serial I'm co-writing with Miranda Cloud, it made it to the first page of the all-time fave stories. Now, we noticed that it was really close to that number because on the first page it lists uh, 1 through 25, and this is all of the Vela stories in the store on the platform, I mean. So we noticed we were really close. We put out a plea to uh, uh, our U.S. readers to help push us over the edge. Even one reader purchased tokens even though she still had free tokens she purchased tokens because in order to get the fave status they have to you have to have a number of crowns awarded to you and if you use your free tokens you don't get the crowns of course so amazon wants you to pay for the tokens we got to number 23 in february which is really exciting but the thing that sucks with this with kindovella is at the end of the month they wipe it all out and then you have to start all over (laughs) You don't get the carried on. But we were very pleased to see a sapphic story on the first page of the Kindlevella favorite platform. Or faved chart, I guess it's called. It's not even like a best-selling chart. It's called the fave chart. So it was very exciting to be part of that. And I appreciate every reader who helped us get to that point. Mm, yeah, very good. Very good. Good news all round. That's the second week running, I think, TB. You feeling all right? Well, I- I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> I mean, everything is conspiring against me. <laughs> like, did not have war in Europe on my uh, radar. I mean, well, the news wasn't great, but I didn't think he would actually do it. But uh, I am still trying to stay positive mm-hmm. and focus on the positive. Yeah. So that's what's going on over here. How about you? Well, over here, obviously, we're a little bit uh, closer to that but obviously uh there's not much we can do uh, at the moment apart from just focus on focus on what you can do day to day to just stay positive so um my new release um the first draft is almost finished that i was hoping to have it finished by now it's it's nearly there it's it's inches off tb if i was measuring it i'm not going to go into that much detail but you know it's inches inches centimeters whatever metric you want to use a yard let's call it a yard all right and i am here's the hoping that you don't have to delete so many chapters <laughs> right before the deadline <laughs> i really hope so too because the deadline is cantering up to me like 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 a horse anyway so <laughs> it's a great analogy god i work with words i should <laughs> 
Um, also, I have been cantering on as well with the, the Change of Heart audiobook. I, I don't know if I said this last time, but she, she's doing a fantastic job. This narrator has got such a lovely Scottish accent, so I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So I'm really pleased with it. And I think that, I don't think I've done one with like really strong, not strong, but really good accents in before. So it's exciting. Well, I'm excited to listen to it. Are both of your leads Scottish? No, just one. Okay. So she is a Scottish actor, but she does quite a good English accent as well. You'd never particularly know she was Scottish. It's like she does this professionally or something. So yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> she told me that she's not. There's there's one accent that is from Durham, which is like uh, north northern England, just before you get to Scotland. Scotland, Scotland. But she told me that it, she's quite a minor character, the the Durham, the girl from Durham. But she told me that she's got to perfect her Durham accent, so she's going to leave that act that that chapter until she's done it. So I thought, wow, professional. I that is one thing I really notice about people from Britain. Like you guys really focus in, laser focus on people's accents. I don't know if we do it. We do it a little bit in the U.S. Like you can tell, like a Boston accent, a New York accent, a Texas. But like you guys, like have like every square inch of that country you're like no it's this accent <laughs> you know exactly what the accent is kind of makes me chuckle i know i don't know what she's doing to research it maybe she's uh, it's not that far from scotland as i said so maybe she's gone for a weekend i mean maybe she's like method acting if it was me i would go to the local pub there and yeah. just hang out yeah that's how i do my research yeah in other news so as you said one of the reasons i think that ihl is getting um, a lot more eyeballs is because you're doing a lot more things right with it so you're you're creating you've done the ihl reader challenge for this uh year but also you were doing best books every month last time around last all last year weren't you and then you just did best books for each category for 2021 and um big london dreams won best historical fiction gong so uh, it's all redevoted, so that's really that was really exciting. So hooray, hooray for Big London Dreams winning a gong. I I was happy when I because like when I'm doing the tally, like I see like the uh, bars going across and what the percentage is, and there was tough competition in that category. You went up against Jay and some other uh, fabulous historical fiction authors, and but I was I was happy. To give you the good news. Oh, I think oh. I told you the good news before it went live. You did. And also this week, I did a uh, 20 questions interview with Melena McKay, uh, which was a lot of fun. And um, I don't know if you've seen those. They're quite they're quite good. She's, she does quite good questions. Uh, Melena McKay is another sapphic fiction author. And uh, she always has a question about garden gnomes. What do you think about garden gnomes? And uh, I actually own one. So I don't know if I was the first person to actually own one. My garden gnome wears, wears a Tottenham kit. He's called Ginola the Ginola the gnome. Of course he wears Tottenham. Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> How are they doing? Well, TB, that's funny you should ask because that brings me neatly on to my fourth point. So, uh, as we said, we're recording this on March the 1st, but as this goes out on March the 7th, I'm going to see Tottenham Hotspur tonight on March the 7th. Spurs are having the archetypal roller coaster season so one day we beat manchester city the next day we lose to burnley beat the top lose to the bottom then we we beat leeds at the weekend um and then who knows if we're going to beat everton on monday i don't but i'm going me and my my friend eleanor who's both big spurs fans what do you think we're going to beat everton 
Oh, absolutely. And I know quite a few Liverpool fans were thrilled when you guys beat Man City. I know, yes. <laughs> My best friend is a Liverpool fan. She was very pleased with me, like I, like yeah. it was me who did it myself. I don't have that much influence, but I like to think that my good vibes and good wishes had made the difference. Yeah, it was it Harry Kane who scored the winning goal? He did. Good old Harry. He's had quite the uh, history with Man City and Tottenham over the past year, so it might have felt good to score that goal. Yes, we we do tend to beat them though, and yeah, so that's that's pretty much it, really. Um, yeah, just carrying on, and um, Spurs are up and down. You would be an excellent Colorado sports fan because that's like every Colorado sports team that they, they have moments of brilliance, and then they just let everyone they just crush everyone's hearts. <laughs> That, so, if that, you ever move to the States, go to Colorado. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just carry on the heartbreak. Tottenham have already crushed my heart enough. All right, let's get on to comments. What you got? All right, first up we have Carol, who was commenting on the Romance Haters episode. And Carol said, what a great episode. Agree with everything you both said. As someone who adores the Fifty Shades trilogy unapologetically, may I add, it was refreshing to hear your views. And Carol commented, the romance formula is hard, hence why Carol's work in progress still remains unfinished. And I'm hoping, Carol, you do not give up. As we keep talking about Just Keep Going and with the examples of IHL and everything, every little bit, every day helps. You can get across that finish line. All right, up next we have Jamie Moody, a fellow Suffolk author. Jamie also commented on the Romance Hater episodes and said, I write res... Wow, I couldn't even say lesbian. What's that about? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a weird word considering my vocation. I write lesbian romance because I love it. My my books are jelly boobs. (laughs) This has not turned out well. I'm sorry, Jamie, I'm messing up your comment, but some people might be laughing about it. together they aren't afraid to say i love you and do a lot and there's lots of kissing because kisses are luscious and come on why not this romance writer appreciates you both and keep doing what you're doing so thank you jamie i'm sorry i butchered your uh comment but you know we're just gonna roll up the punches here (laughs) and then we have claudia who also commented on the romance haters episode claudia said i must admit i once myself was a romance hater and that was when i was a teenager not yet knowing that I wasn't the only woman in the world who was into women and also not knowing that lesbian romance novels existed. This led me to hate all the schmaltzy straight romances. In this respect, I am careful to condemn romance haters because who knows what their reasons are. I thought that was an interesting point. Mm. Claudia's kind of, you know, saying, like, maybe we shouldn't be so uh, harsh when someone says they don't like romance. Also, Claudia has started writing in Claudia's spare time and couldn't imagine writing anything else but romance novels. Me either, Claudia. Although I'm not sure. I mean, I understand what you said there, but I still would, you know, I'd be quick to condemn anyone who said who poo-pooed romance novels. Poo-poo them at your peril, TB, right? Do you have any comments before I go on to (laughs) buy us a coffee? I do. I do. Funny you should ask. Uh, So Melanie Monroe says, thank you for answering the question on when to go full time. It was exactly what I needed and a lot of things I hadn't considered. She appreciates us both taking the time to share our knowledge. It means the world. And she also says on the romance episode that she used to read Sweet Valley High books too and also lots of Harlequin and it's why she loves romance still today. The romance uh, episode got a lot of uh, comments. 
hit a chord. You did. But yeah, I did. Well, we did, but it was your your suggestion, so I'm just giving you the glory. Well, I, I did steal it from Marion Keith, so we probably <laughs> should give credit to uh, Marion. So I uh, know she's listening. Hi, I know, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Buy us a coffee. We have two updates. Uh, Wilma bought us a coffee, and Nylans bought us a coffee and left this comment. This podcast continues to be the highlight of my week. I'm so grateful to both of you. So we appreciate the coffees and the support. Yes, we do. Thank you very much. And uh, keep those coffees coming because I'm very thirsty. Right, let's get on to the topic at hand, which is Queer Fiction Explodes. This was a topic I considered after a reporter from the New York Times got in touch um, with me to talk about just that. The reason being, she said she's getting a load of advanced reader copies. Basically, she's the literature uh, one of the literature correspondent for and publishing for the um, NYT. And she said she's getting loads more advanced reader copies across her desk that feature queer protagonists of all flavours. And she was interested in asking the question, why now? What's changed? And what's the impact on all sectors of queer fiction? So she wanted to ask me about sapphic fiction. I mean, my answers were firstly that I just think that society is ready for it. As we've said before, um, when we first started, there were, weren't really uh, that many other options. Well, not for me, especially in the UK. There was no, none of the big five would entertain a lesbian romance. And uh, there was no publishers of uh, lesbian or sapphic romance in the UK at all in 2014. If I wanted to pub be published, I had to turn to specialist publishers in the US. Bullstrokes, Bella, Brisk, Bywater, other, others beginning with B. So in the end, I decided to go indie, which was the right decision. But this reporter was saying to me that every morning at the moment she gets on the subway in New York and she sees posters for Becky Albatali's latest book featuring two young men as the key protagonists. Um, and she's also seen the similar things for Casey McQuiston's Red, White and Royal Blue and the same for Love, Simon, which I think was Simon versus the Homo Sapiens. I think that was Be Becky Albatali too, right? I think she's pretty big in the MM world. Um, and also, of course, in these times, sapphic romances being published by the big five across all age groups uh, adult sapphic romances ya and na are very big at the moment queer fiction in summary is big business now so here's my i had four reasons tell me if you agree with them so firstly as i said that society has changed representation representation now is key and expectations have changed and queer stories are being told because culture allows it so see change in culture. My second reason is because indie publishers like us always knew there was a market to serve even when the traditional publishers were not refused to acknowledge it. Indie publishers um, who published MM and FF in the MM and FF spaces our work made the market more visible and now mainstream publishers want a slice of that pie so we created the market and now publishers are pursuing it so the market has matured. The third one was one that she suggested, which I, I thought was interesting. She said that representation in, is big in YA literature and because there's a real expectation and acceptance there, younger people, when they progress out of YA LGBT plus books, um, want adult fiction to read. And so they're pushing for the representation like it's coming up. So that was interesting. And also I said that perhaps the digital and reading economies all around the world are maturing so more people can can read books digitally they've got more choice there's the you know the um accessibility is there and the prices are lower which means more people are coming to it 
Now, MN Romance and Fiction is still the one that's getting all the mar big marketing dollars, uh, but Casey McQuiston has shown that with her one last stop that that was a New York Times and USA Today bestseller, um, just as Red, White and Royal Blue was. So yes, MM is getting most of the dollars, but sapphic fiction is also rising. And I suppose the, the thing is, um, it's going to ride on the coattails of MM fiction because that's how the world works. But hopefully, rising tide lifts old boats. And a spotlight on queer fiction as a whole means more people are aware of its existence and finding the world of sapphic fiction, which is always been fueled by niche, publici niche publishers and indie authors alike. And I'll just say in, in, in conclusion that from a personal standpoint, I've received more emails from readers in their 20s in the past six months than I have in the whole eight years I've been doing this. So that must say something. Um, you know, I think that people in their 20s are finding sapphic fiction, they're loving it, and they're going on to read the backlist of books that I've done, and I'm sure it's happening for a lot of other authors as well. So yes, it's, it's an explosion in queer romance and queer fiction, um, it's a it's a ripple probably in the world of books, but it's still significant. Yes. Did you guys discuss how in at least in the FF publishing world, a lot of the main or the FF that's being published by the the bigger publishers, a lot of them are fantasy novels, and uh, fantasy readers are more accepting of different cultures and different viewpoints. And I think some of the books have really hit the market really well, and it's kind of showed like, well, hey, hey, why can't we actually just have FF romances as well? It doesn't have to be grounded into the fantasy world. Right. So it's been interesting, because I'm a huge uh, fantasy fan, but mm. um, it's been interesting to watch some of these huge fantasy books take off, and then we have seen more, I don't want to say normal romances, but just just romance with FF uh, leads without the fantasy also being published by bigger publishers. So it's become a thing and I think one of the reasons also is because with uh, Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue that always trips me up. I don't know why <laughs> but R Red, White, and Royal Blue that was such a huge hit and I think mm. they started, I think a lot of people because obviously when there's a, a change in publishing <laughs> one of the negatives which is also a, a positive is like all the publishers like, oh, we need to fill this. We have a void here and let's fill it. And then they don't study the market quite as well. And so and then I, I fear and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I do fear that if some of the books don't hit quite as well as Red, White and Royal Blue, they're all like, oh, that was just a phase and then move on. But I'm hoping that's not correct. I hoping it's a, mm. an explosion that sticks. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that there will be some that don't hit. And I think for it to hit as big as uh, red, white, and royal blue, it, I doubt that I doubt that hardly any of them are going to because that book, I don't know, it was it's fantastic and and it just it did hit a need, I suppose, in the market. Um, and and I think uh, one last stop, it kind of pushed sapphic fiction, sapphic romance to an uh, to an, to the next level, accessibility wise and visibility wise, because you know there's so many eyeballs on on that book, and everybody's waiting for her next book. So I think she's a really important figure. Do you know what her next book is supposed to be? Have they released that detail? Yeah, so it's it's called I Kiss Shara Wheeler. Um, I think it's coming out this spring or summer. It's a Y A N A. But is it, it is that a FF? It's got sapphic representation but i think it's i i from from what i gather and i i haven't looked into it greatly but i i think 
Shara Wheeler has been kissed by a few people, male and female. Okay. But I might okay. be wrong, but that's what I th- that's what I gather. So still cutting edge and uh, more representation because um yeah. it's not just MM and it's not just FF. There are non-binary. There's a ton of people who still need their representation, and I am here for it. Yes, well, I mean that's what One Last Stop did fantastically well. Um, it, it the representation was off the chart and she did it in a really really um, seamless way so yes I mean I think she deserves uh, everything she gets because she's brilliant I love Casey McQuiston does she know this have you like tried to like <laughs> I get don't know if she does <laughs> um, but she's so big she doesn't even run her own Twitter account she said that so wow imagine well, that yeah imagine she does not <laughs> no. but um, I would really like to see I, I mean not that um dissing the improvements in queer fiction but i would really love to see some more uh trans stories as well i think we need that especially by some of the big publishers so if anyone's listening to our podcast i know everyone is everyone marion keys casey mcquiston everybody in the big five publishing world can we also get representation for everybody please? <laughs> well you know how these things work tb it rolls out slowly you know it's just it's but I do think that representation is becoming its becoming a thing that people are starting to take notice of in fiction. Uh, and it's, it's not a moment too soon. Obviously, things can get better, but it's on the right path. And I think as well that there is there are so many uh, fantastic books coming out via traditionally published and independent publishers and niche publishers in the whole queer space that I don't I can't see it being a flash in the pan. Uh, and especially because the world is you know the reading audience is waking up to the fact that we're here we're here and we're here <laughs> i was waiting for it yes I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i still think uh south fiction will explode i'm just curious to see how the big publishers handle it from here on out yes is it something they just chase shortly or can they just keep doing it because the the, the amount of emails i get from people that say you know i just didn't know where my people were and I didn't see stories that I could relate to and stuff like that and then I found sapphic fiction and it's just amazing and it also breaks my heart that it's still hard to find yes uh, and it is still hard to find um, you know I, I, I answered some uh, questions for another article that uh, another one of my writing um, colleagues was was doing for a magazine article and she was asking like she, she was we were focusing on on sapphic fiction and she was asking me you know who are the who are the traditionally published authors that that are seen as like the gold standard right in the and and I was thinking you know apart from Casey McQuiston I don't know like you know I, I do know uh, I haven't or I haven't read them like I do know some other names but I haven't read those books. I mean, that's traditionally published because I think more I read indie published. So I haven't read the other ones, but I was thinking of people like Kiara Smythe. That's as far as I got. Do we throw Sarah Waters into the mix? I, I, I guess, hmm, I don't really see her. I mean, because she she's been doing this for 20 years and she's probably like, listen, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> she probably is, yeah. <laughs> Why is my name not on this like, list? <laughs> Hi, Sarah. <laughs> she's like, wait a minute. Sarah who? The thing is with Sarah is that she started off writing, you know, very much sapphic fiction and then quite a lot of her books didn't have any lesbians. Which one? Well, I know that Perfect Little Stranger didn't have uh, lesbian characters, but a lot of them do. I think I'm sure I read two of hers that didn't. And then I was like, well, Sarah, you lost me. But she carried on stalking me around John Lewis, FYI. I remember that Perfect Little Stranger doesn't 
Affinity, I can't remember the entire storyline. That was more of a ghost story, so maybe that's the other one. It was the ghost one. Uh, yeah. And, you know, to be fair, ghost stories aren't my jam. But I thought it's Sarah Waters, I'll give it a go. Yeah, it wasn't my jam. Yeah, I, I, that's actually the one the one I have signed by her. I can see where that maybe not was not so much. The other ones, yeah, they're they're definitely. I mean, come on, Tiffany the Velvet that broke that broke the ground very early on. It did, it did. I'm gonna give Sarah her credit. <laughs> I mean, give her a G. Keep stalking Claire because she's not getting the message. <laughs> maybe that's why she's stalking me. She's like, put me on the list, bitch. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't think we can uh, finish that, the explosion in queer fiction. Sarah started the explosion. She's like, look, I, I, the explosion wouldn't have happened had I not laid that foundation, Claire. It wouldn't have, Sarah, so soz. You and Jeanette, holding up, holding up us all. Wow. I hope, I hope Sarah doesn't start hating me because <laughs> of my association with you. Because <laughs> she's, she's quite lovely, very, very, very shy, but quite lovely person. She is, and um, I do love your book, Sarah. If you're listening, I just didn't, I didn't jam with the ghost one, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if you, I'm sure you've read all mine, and I'm sure there's one you didn't jam with as much, and that's fine. Can't please everyone, can you, TB? Not all the time. I hope it wasn't one golden summer. <laughs> 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 I really hope so too. <laughs> anyway. Do let us know what you think about the explosion of uh, queer romance, uh, queer fiction, sapphic fiction, uh, queer fiction of all flavours. We're excited by it. Let us know what you think and let us know who your favourite um, ones are, like traditionally published, indie published, whatever. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to know. And any ones that you've read recently that are just like, wow, um, that's something to get excited about. Get in touch on the website. Um, leave us a comment. We'd love one. Um, that is lesbianswhowrite.com. Get in touch on by email, lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us at lesbianswhowrite and Instagram me at clairefic. And join us next week when we are going to be asking, you're a good writer, but are you a good publisher? This one confused me. I had to have some explanations, so we'll see if I got it right <laughs> next week. Tune back next week. Until then, keep writing. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians You Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. Music